When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. News team, assemble! It's time for the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Featuring site publishers, Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian, along with videographer, Eddie Radosevich. It's the unofficial 40 on Soonerscoop.com. All right, we're back. Back and at it better than ever. I think somebody else used that line. Carrie Murdoch, Josh McQuistian, Eddie Radosevich. We are the unofficial 40 podcast here on Soonerscoop.com. And uh, Eddie is scratching his neck beard as I speak. I think I have head lice in my beard. Just get out of here. That just—it's called needing to shave. Yeah, that spring break, spring break on spring break. You don't shave on spring break. I saw a lovely uh, photo of you on your Insta back in your spring break break days up on the hill. Yep, Padre Island, freshman year of college. That was your freshman year. Yep, that was uh, that was a good time. (laughs) Lots of lots of experimenting on that trip. Okay, Joshua Christian, uh, family man. Let's get him to join the podcast before this thing turns bad. How are we doing, Josh? Josh just uh, off the uh, Houston Rivals camp. Uh, doing well, guys. You know, uh, it's always this pod is always interesting to me. When I am the moral compass to Eddie's debauchery, this pod is screwed. Like, we're, we're in bad, bad shape from a, a human, I guess just being good human being standpoint. Eddie's like the human trafficking of podcasts. <laughs> he is. He is. Just hanging out on Loves on I-35. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's that weird place. I don't even know if it's open anymore. Not, that's not the, the, the hooker joint is like that weird place like near Frontier City. Oh, like Flying J or something? I don't even think it's that, that type of Not even of, that good? Yeah. Worse? It's just like truck stop. <laughs> <laughs> just... Yeah, you know you're getting something Generic else other than stop. gas. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, there's one thing that I'm not going to talk about today, and that's that BS team that resides up at the Chesapeake Energy Arena Center. It wasn't good God, last night. What a just, Josh? Do you? I mean, do you watch the Thunder intently? Like, does it alter your mood if they play if they have a game like that last night? Let me just say, I think I was pulling out my inner Eddie last night. The the TNT broadcast was getting double birds from the McQuistian house I last couldn't, night. I had, I, to, I, had to, I had to flip. I'm, I mean, you're in Houston, so you don't have the choice, but I had to flip over to Fox Sports Oklahoma last night. You know you're in a bad situation when Brian Davis and oh uh, Michael Cage God. are the, uh, the best option for viewing. The player's only thing has got to go. It's pretty bad. It's awful. It's pretty bad. You, you mean Karam Butler's not a good sideline reporter? <laughs> Is that where we are? And actually, you know what's terrible is Greg Anthony does a decent job at play-by-play, but everybody else ruins it. 
I think it was it was a great idea when they did it like once a year. It's like okay, I can live with it on a Tuesday night. But it's been every Thunder national game for like the last three. It has been a lot. It sucks. Anyway, yeah, that made it unwatchable, and so I had to turn it over to Fox Sports. And I needed a little sunshine, to be honest, last night with that game. It was terrible. So I don't want to talk about it. It was good until the last 20 seconds. It, It was a shitty game to watch. They played terrible the entire time. Yeah. It never should have been that close. It never should have been come down to that needing free throws the last 24 seconds. It just it was just a disjointed mess. It was awful. I would have taken a split though between Toronto and Boston going into it, so uh we'll stay positive. Yeah. It's just I, not the split you thought you would get. I could have lived with a split where they like lost to Toronto as Kyle Lowry hit a 3 at the buzzer. But not, I don't even know who hit the three. Was It, it wasn't Tatum, was it? Freaking Marcus, uh, Marcus Morris. Morris, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was Morris. One of the crazy-ass brothers. So, anyway, moving on. Lots of OU stuff to talk about. Since the last podcast, we've had Pro Day. We've had the start of spring practice. Uh, we've had some rivals camps. And we're ha- we have another one coming up in Dallas this weekend uh, where the whole crew is going to be down there. I failed to get to Houston. <laughs> I uh, got a hotel room, paid for that, didn't go. Rental car paid for that. Instead of driving 16 hours and 24 hours, I decided I'd be better served to clean out my garage, which I did. And that's what I used my rental SUV to do is to drag cardboard to the recycling plant. So you actually got the car. You just never went. I've lived in this house, I think this is 10 years now, nine years. And I just finally took all my moving boxes to the cardboard recycling because nobody ever wanted them. (laughs) You should have just kept them. I tried to give them away, but... Nobody ever moved that I know. Or people moved, but they just didn't want to come and drag the boxes out of here. Now that you uh, got rid of them, you'll find a way that you need them. No. At some point. No. Somebody will need them. It's been nine years. I haven't needed them once. What we're need- we're going to have to be careful this week, guys, because that story did make me laugh. I have been fighting allergies for about 10 days now, and obviously standing outside at the Rivals camp last weekend was a huge aid to that. Um and every time I laugh, I sound like the old man who smokes like twelve packs a day. Emphysema lady. <laughs> like I, I can't stop coughing. Like it, I had it that, feels like I'm dying a little bit. No, I had that two weeks ago. It's awful. And I'm just getting I'm just getting back. I think on Monday was the first day I could laugh and what not it, sound like that old lady. Is that the iron lung? Is that what that's called? No? Okay. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Is that where if you, a canary dies if you have it, or is that coal miners? I have no idea. Coal miners take the canary. That's, that's the black lung. Oh, the, the black, black lung. lung. That's what that is. Yeah. Uh, the iron lung. The only reference I have to iron lung is in Big Lebowski when that dude's in that machine. Uh, <laughs> Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. That, that's the only one I can ever think of. And I think that's an iron lung, but I don't even know that that's right. So. By the way, uh, shout out to DJ Witty since you mentioned uh, Big Lebowski. He actually sent me that on Blu-ray. It still haven't watched it yet. Got to do it. I'll do it's it. It's a good one. It's a must. I'm it's doing a, my staycation. I'm going to do a staycation after spring break. I'll watch it then. It's, yeah. And it's one of those ones, like, Carrie, I think the first, like, I, I can't speak for Eddie. The first time I saw it, well, I guess I should say, I was under the influence of substances. And <laughs> oh my God. I... I didn't fully process it. Like, I was like, that's kind of funny, but I kind of fell asleep late in the movie. Like, I couldn't quite make it through it. And 
the next time I was like, oh my God, that movie's the funniest thing I've ever seen. So like, it, it was just, and it's, it's not like, you know, like, oh, my sides hurt. I'm laughing so hard. It's just really funny characters, like just funny people doing funny things. It gets better and better each time you watch it. it. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so let's get to uh, a little bit of OU sports. Trey Young, big news yesterday, kind of ruined everybody's day. Announces, I don't know, it's probably about 8.30s when that came out, maybe 8.15, because I was still on the radio trying to throw up a, a story real quick that Bob was at home writing. And it was just a weird day. And you kind of pointed this out. You guys pointed this out as the day went on. Like, is it weird that there wasn't a whole lot of congratulations on Twitter from his teammates? No, I, I, I don't think it was weird just for the fact that I think it was a very dysfunctional team. It's like, do members of the family congratulate people when they get divorced? Did anybody congratulate him? I don't think I, I never saw anything. In fact, I saw that. I remember uh, Jamani McNeese said something after the video came out of the celebrating making the NCAA tournament. That's about it. Yeah. And I, I never really, I mean, throughout the year, I never really saw a whole lot from this team on Twitter. So I don't know. Maybe it's just not in their personalities. You would think that a group of 15 well, Jordan Shepard put out kids, something yesterday. Yeah, real cryptic uh, betting on himself. I don't know. I, I, I think that it was a very dysfunctional team. I think that yesterday was a good example of just how dysfunctional they were. Uh, I don't, I don't necessarily... Is it even a team? I mean, yeah, my God. I don't think that they necessarily like hate each other. I just don't think that they enjoyed being around each other. They're not friends. You're right. There weren't, uh, there weren't 15 guys pulling on the same rope, if you will. I mean, it seems like, like Buddy Heald was always in the gym. He didn't have time for your, you know, hanging out together stuff. But I think people liked him. Yeah, but they all hung out, like, at the gym, you know? Yeah. With this group, I envision, like, Trey shooting on the main court and everybody else shooting in the practice gyms. Stay away from me. Let me do my thing. Just let me get better. I have bigger plans than the rest of you guys. But how do you guys see that? Do you see that as a player like him has to find a way to relate to other guys that, you know, you, we all understand he's a better player than anybody around him. That can be frustrating. He's hit, he's giving them wide open looks and they're missing, you know, like I understand it from his standpoint, but the only way for that team to succeed is for him to make them better. And if he's not doing everything he can to make that an inclusive unit, then he's as big a part of the problem as they are. But on the floor, you have to say that he did everything he could to get people the ball. Sure, They sure. couldn't I, make shots. And then at the end of the NCAA tournament game, three people took shots to try and win that game, and none of them were Trey Young, and every one of those shots looked horrible. And you wanted to scream at every one of those people, just let Trey Young shoot the ball, damn it. Yeah. I, it was not good. I think everything that we thought about this team... Pretty much came to fruition at the by the end of the year. You know, it's weird. They actually played. I thought really hard in the tournament. No, they did like harder than I've seen them play in a while. If they would have played like that over the last month and a half, I don't think that they would be a ten. They would have been a better than a whatever seed. What were they? They'd have been a four seed? or five. They would have been a. They would have lost to Loyola Chicago then. Yeah, they probably would have got upset by somebody better than them. But they they would have beat some other teams down the stretch. I mean, I think you would have beat Texas at home. I think you would have yeah. beat. Uh, possibly West Virginia. You wouldn't have got beat by 30 at KU. Yeah, you well, only got beat by 15. <laughs> there was that one stretch, guys, and we talked. We were talking about it in our in our little private DM, where 
they hit those back-to-back threes, and every all of us were like, "They're dead. It's oh, yeah. over. Like they're just going to lay down." And they fought back. They found a way. It was, and you got, you hadn't seen that in months, where those guys actually looked like they didn't just get defeated in their minds before the game was. Yeah, over. Yeah, I thought once Rhode Island took the lead, it was over. Agreed. For them to take it into overtime, it's kind of impressive for this team. But again, the bigger picture is there's something completely wrong with this team. And I don't even know if it's Trey Young. I mean, let's see if the transfers start happening now. Let's see if uh, is it is it maybe that that Lon Kruger lost his right hand man in Henson? Could it be as simple as that? Oh, I I definitely think that when you look at what Steve Henson was able to do at uh you know at UTSA this year or this past year that I mean he was coach of the year down in the Sun Belt I believe and. I think he played a really good bad cop to Lon's good cop. And I think that he was more of the disciplinarian, get after people in their ass. And then, you know, Lon would come back, come back around and be able to do the good. And cop now they style. don't really have that bench coach that everybody respects. No. Yeah. And, and that's not to say they don't respect like Chris Crutchfield and Carlin Hartman, but I don't I mean, think it has like a, level a healthy of, amount of fear. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that that's there. And, you know, I, I think that too, that trade, for everything that was great about Trey, he was still a 19-year-old freshman. And I think that a lot of the time that we kind of forget that, especially during December and January. Who has always been the best player yeah. on his team. Yeah. And who has never really had to get other people to play up to his level or play you know, better than that. Like, he's not a guy that, ma- that made anybody better. And I, I think even going in high school, like, that's not your concern if you're Trey Young. Right. Your concern is how many points am I going to score tonight? Yeah. Am and I going to lead this team to a win? I think that that's probably a level of maturity that he's going to need to obviously work on. But once you get to an NBA team, I think it will happen rather quickly when you have a veteran pretty much tell you this is how it's going to be. And if you don't like it, tough shit. It kind of shows you like, and I'm not saying star players shouldn't come to Oklahoma and this is proof, but I would say that star players probably need to go to Kentucky or Duke. They need to go play for coaches like Calipari or Shashevsky that are used to coaching that kind of player. Because it's got to be different. I mean, Lon Kruger coaching Trey Young has got to be a lot different than the way he coaches Brady Manick. Well, I don't think that there's any doubt that this was not the best year of coaching in Lon Kruger's career. Like I think just as much blame that goes on the players can go on oh, Lon sure. Kruger. Yeah. Because it, it spiraled out of control. I I, I think, think so every much, box was checked. So much so that you have to question does Lon Kruger want to be coaching? Does he have the fire? I mean, after a final four season, I think that they're I forgot what the number is, but they're like twelve and thirty five in Big Twelve play. And that might even be con- uh including the big the Final four year yeah. with Buddy, his senior year. Like the last three seasons, I'm pretty sure that OU, I mean, they've they've won one road game in the last two years. You know the one thing that you can say the difference between Blake Griffin and Trey Young is like Blake Griffin, everybody loved him. Like his teammates, like he was friends with like they were his family. Like they were a family. You never got that feeling with Trey Young. Even when Blake Young was Blake Blake Young, I just combined him. Even when Blake Griffin was a freshman, like Taylor was there, he had that leadership that could kind of 
you know, build everything together. Trey didn't have anybody like that. Trey didn't have anybody to embrace. He became an individual. It's been, I'm, I've said it many times throughout the year. There's going to be a case study on like the last seven months at some point. And some type of psychological experiment as well, just as far as <laughs> like, like OU hoops is going to do it or something. Something. Yeah. Or like, there's going to be a book written about it just because it's like, I mean, Trey young, I, I think he, and I think ESPN probably played a big role in that. And we've talked about it. Oh but God. Yes. It was, and you can tell like ESPN almost feels responsible like what they did to him because they're like putting him on every platform that they have now. Yeah. yeah well, he, I like mean, we're going to pump you he up. Moves the the, he moves the ticker for a lot of people. I, I, it's, well, he did for a while, but I don't know that he really did the last month of the season. No, because they were so bad. Just got people pissed off is all it did. Yeah. And it, it's just crazy that like, and I don't want to get into like the ball family, but it's, it's crazy how like Rayford has handled from everything that I've seen. Yeah. I pretty agree. well. He's yeah. never been like just that helicopter dad. But people, he's hate. never he's never come out in the media and said, you know, that he doesn't agree right. with things that are happening. With he could have been talking or, shit on Kruger for six for four months for the yeah. last three months, but he didn't. Well, last two specifically, yeah, yeah, two for sure. And you know, throwing everybody under the bus, and then you have somebody like the Ball family, and I feel like there's more hate for Trey Young, especially at Oklahoma, than assholes like them. I think. Uh, I can't even remember the name. Lavar is that the dad or is yeah? Lavar, I think Lavar, if he were Trey Young's dad, he probably would have pulled him off of the team after the Kansas game, or after the OSU game. Yeah, thirty nine shots, we should have won. <laughs> like, come on, we're we're gone. So it's gonna, like I said, what this comes down to, this is how it's gonna play out. If Trey Young has a great NBA career. He's going to be celebrated in Norman as one of the greatest players that's ever played here. Yeah. If he's a bust, he's going to always have kind of an asterisk next to his name. Like, yeah, he was really good, but he was he was a flash in the pan. And he'll never be up there with a Blake Griffin. Even knowing what I know now though, I would I I don't think that you cannot say that you wouldn't want him to come back. Or not come back, but when, if they had to redo it all over again, you still take the chance of bringing Trey Young in. Like I saw somebody on the board oh, man, make, that was so such a just, make an asinine point about would would they should should they have even even have taken him? It's like you're kind of an asshole for saying that. That's almost think as, of what that team is without him. Oh, eight or nine wins. It's almost as bad as Josh's. They'd be better off not going to the college football playoff take. Yeah, that's Incorrect. true. Incorrect. true. Hey, I'm sorry. Did we see how well 2018 recruiting went? I think we did. I think we all saw it. Josh, the prophet, spoke again and spoke it into existence. So credit to Josh for that big win over Auburn and all that it entailed. I get so much shit from other people about you making that claim. <laughs> it's unbelievable. You know. It I happened the other night. Like it. I have friends that get drunk, and then they text me, and they're like, does Josh still think, oh, you shouldn't have gone to the college football playoff? Hell yes. You'll Just never convince stop. me it was better for stop. OU to go get pounded by Alabama or Clemson than beating Auburn. Just stop. You'll never convince me. I won't try. Uh, Josh, rivals camp over the weekend. Houston, a lot of OU offers there. Uh what was the give give us some of the standouts? 
Well, yeah, I mean, and first of all, they were all talking about that Sugar Bowl win. They were all very excited <laughs> about it. No, uh, you, you had a, it was really, it was a camp that came in and, you know, you see the initial roster and you're always like, man, that's going to be great. But it really was. I mean, there were a ton of, of not just OU targets, but really elite guys. And that's kind of what you get in Houston. Oklahoma doesn't go after every guy in Houston like they do in Dallas. You know, if there's a, if there's a guy that's pretty close in Dallas, OU's probably going to offer. If there's a guy that's pretty close in Houston, it doesn't always work that way just because of proximity. Oklahoma's going to pick the guys that they feel like they've got a better chance to land. So in Houston, when OU goes after a guy, it's usually the really elite guys, and that's what you had on Saturday, or excuse me, on Sunday. Uh, Kenyon Green, the five-star offensive tackle from Atascacita. Uh, Garrett Wilson, the Rivals 100 receiver from Lake Travis over in Austin. Uh, you, you guys, I'm trying to run down the list here. Marcus Stripling, the defensive end from Mady Creek. Uh, a couple of OU commitments. Corey Roberson from Manville. Uh, Isaiah Spiller from, um, oh, I'm going to go blank on Isaiah's school. Uh, uh, Klein Collins. So, I mean, you, you run down the list, and, th- and there's even several I've left off of that group. Dwight McLeathern, a 2020 guy that everybody's going to want, a big, long defensive back. So, I mean, there were a ton of really top-shelf guys and I thought, uh, you know, we, we've already run the interviews on the board. Uh, for those that listen, we're running them kind of through the next few days on the site, and you'll be able to see those. And I thought all the guys came off as really positive about Oklahoma. I, I thought if, if it was interesting because the one guy that I came away feeling like, boy, this doesn't feel like it's going in the right direction right now, is Isaiah Spiller, the Oklahoma commitment. Everybody else, I'm not saying OU's going to get those guys. But I, I think Oklahoma has made inroads with, with several guys that maybe two months ago I wouldn't have given them much of a chance at. And Josh started uh, World War Three with Isaiah Spiller on Twitter. Oh, no. Did I really? I missed something. Uh, did you not see where uh, you put up your, your – your, you linked to the Isaiah Spiller interview story. Yep, yep. And then he put up the thinking emojis – Yep, and then his dad put up the thumbs up. On his dad, he quote tweeted you the thinking emojis, and his dad quote tweeted him with two thumbs up. Nice. And then I just looked at, uh, I looked at all of those, and it's just like World War Three after your tweet. <laughs> because the most sane people, Texas A and M and OU fan, all the OU edit kings, all the Texas A and M people. I have this really. Weird- we need you. I this really weird RBU Texas. <laughs> there was a lot of RBUs in there. Uh, there, I have this really weird super Texas A and M fan goes by Twelfth Man in Edmond that listens to our show every morning on Sports Animal. That dude's crazy. He is insane. Like every time we talk about OU, he has to he has to put something in there, like about comparing it to the Big Twelve sucks, man. I have a feeling I've been to College Station more than he has. <laughs> One of those fans. I know exactly what you're talking about. Dave? I don't know. Just 12th man and 12th Edmund. man Dave or something like that. I know what you're talking about. But the A&M fans on Twitter. Whew, they're a, <laughs> You would think that they cheer for a cult. Like, I mean, we've always talked. I mean, they are a cult. I know. It's very cultish. It's very cultish. It It is. That and the whole a, Tim Brewster's not making it any better. Yeah. Well, he's... Tim Brewster's, Tim Brewster's week, has a this. yeah. I I wanted I should have added that Tim Brewster has a little David Koresh in him. 
<laughs> I was gonna say David Crash was Maggie. Oh my god. He that's why Was he, he an Aggie? Yeah, that's no, why he had it. No, it just <laughs> He wanted to throw everybody off being out of Waco. I think, for, oh I think he was from East Texas. Or West he wanted Texas. he wanted to throw everybody off by having his uh, his foundation in Waco, but we really know his heart was in College Station. That's the part that they leave out in the A and E series. Speaking Tim of, did everybody Rooster watch that? That was really well done. David was it? Oh my god! It was really good. I never yeah, got into I, it. I saw I the, the first one and and I. And then, like, the second one came on, and I, I didn't want to watch it halfway through, so I just figured I'll go and binge it sometime. Yeah, it, it sparked me, and then I went back and read the book from one of the main characters. Like, uh, the if you saw the first one, Carrie, it's the guy he befriends that's the guitar player. Yes. Uh-huh. No, that's the drummer. I'm sorry, the drummer. Yeah. He wrote a book about the whole experience and, like, him being recruited into it and how all that went down. It was It was an interesting read. Like, it's... It humanizes them a little bit, you know. Like you're like, yeah, you're still crazy, but you're probably pretty decent people for the most part. So it's just, it's very weird. Like their beliefs were weird, but you're like, you're not bad people. So <laughs> it, it it was strange. We just like guns and burning ourselves to death. And I want I, all your wives are mine. Yeah, and sex, yeah, see, sex the, and all your the kids. Wives, the wives thing is a legit question, and Koresh clearly had a thing with young girls. But other than that, like the gun stuff, like, I mean, they, he provided a bunch of examples. Like they were largely just, they were, it was a way for them to make money and pay their bills. Like they weren't gun enthusiasts or anything. He was like, I fired a gun once or once or twice in my life. So now again, you have to take him at his word, but it, it all sounded pretty legitimate. I mean, it was an interesting read nonetheless. So Okay. Anyway, so sorry. Back to guns, uh, girls, and the twelfth man. <laughs> back to Isaiah Spiller. It was it, that was a very odd interview, though. I think he was very nervous, or he came across as very nervous. Josh, I think he was, and I think a lot of times that's my fault, guys, because I'm one of those guys. I'm like Chris Farley in the uh, in Tommy Boy when he's talking about my new sale, like when I'm doing an interview, I'm a little too revved up sometimes. <laughs> and I think I get okay, so excited okay, that okay. I freak the kids out. Okay, and okay. I, I think we need to put a roll in your hand. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that may be what it is. I love Instead it. Of a and, stress I ball. it and I kill it. So I kill that, my interview. <laughs> okay, I think okay, some of that's okay. on me, but yeah, there's, uh, he was kind of okay. You can see it. And then when it started to turn into the OU and A&M conversation, I thought he got real uncomfortable. Yeah. And, well, I'm sure it's, a, and that, it's an awkward conversation to have. You're, sure. You're committed. Sure. I mean, you're committed and someplace. And, sorry. No, no, you're fine. The thing people don't think about, I've literally never met Isaiah Spiller in my life. So he is sharing a very personal detail about his own thought process and the biggest decision of his life with what is basically a complete stranger and knowing it's going to go out to the masses, that that's probably a lot for for us. There's things about myself that I don't want to talk about, and for a 17 year old to have to put that out there, that's daunting. Like I I understand it, for, uh, so I never get down on the kids who are a little little gun shy about that kind of stuff. And I don't, but like I said, I I think the fact that he was nervous and it was kind of uncomfortable, I, I think we know where this is probably heading. But you know we'll. We'll see. I mean, th- there have been other guys where we all thought, oh, he, he's gone. 
Hell, Deshaun White. I remember being on this podcast being like, he's he's going to go to A&M. He's going to stick with A&M. And we're like a week later, we're breaking his commitment from the Army game. So, you I, know. I mean, the thing that, to me, that's most interesting about recruiting moving up like this is, I mean, you still have a signing day in December. I mean, there's a, I mean, Jimbo Fisher was not exactly killing it at Florida State when he left. There's not, there's not just a ton of, I mean, there's a possibility they could have a really crappy year in College Station. I mean, and they're building all this momentum because they're new and they're at there selling really hard and going with that stupid SEC stuff that Sumlin got away with. State media's pushing it. State-sponsored media? Yeah, they're state media. So, I, I mean, this could... I don't know. This is this is going to be a really interesting year. I, I I feel like it's not breaking any news. Not but even I feel like they're not even be, bringing in Texas into the it, mix. It's the same cycle that we go through every year with Texas A and M. They do really, really, really well from January to August. Yeah. They got a they, in fact they got a cult behind nobody them. perhaps nobody better in the off season months than Texas A and M University. Well, other than, of course, Texas. Well, that's true. I, I mean, what do we call like the branch ag idiots? If if you had to give me a choice, though, I, I think Texas will have a much better record than Texas A and M next year. Oh, I don't. Yeah, I don't really and that's yeah. probably that's probably not really saying anything, considering Texas is going to play a lot easier schedule. But I just I feel like one program is ascending, and the other one is just usually in the same. I don't know. Same, I mean, Texas is not even back to Oklahoma State levels yet. I mean, can they? will they be better than Oklahoma State? Although the quarterback transfer from Hawaii, I've not heard glowing things. Like, I, I think Spencer Sanders yeah, will be still starter. be their guy. I, I, eventually. I took that almost as a... I mean, he'll, he'll be their starter because he's experienced and he can he's played college football. But I think Spencer Sanders eventually, he probably gets reps early, eventually wins that job. Yeah, I would think so. It was a little strange, though, that he didn't come in during the spring. Neither Oklahoma or Oklahoma State had quarterback in the spring. That's just different yeah, than the last couple of years. Usually the quarterbacks are the ones that work their tails off to get ready to go. Yeah. It's it weird seeing Casey Thompson photos. Yeah, down in Austin. Texas's spring practices. Yeah. He's got a more athletic head than... Came and rising though, so he's got a shot. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, but I mean, you know, back to the the Houston Rivals camp. Uh, Spiller obviously is is kind of the one everybody's going to either freak out about or I mean, just be known. There's something that's up in the air again. So, but outside of that, uh, Josh, I mean, defensively, did you get a feel for anything regarding? You know, the perception of OU defensive, is that still out there? Is that still a concern among recruits? I don't think there's any question. That's a that's a hurdle OU still has to clear. But I think with some of the things they did last year, with getting guys like Radley Hiles, getting guys like Ronnie Perkins, I think they're starting to establish a, a conversation that says, guys, this is a talent issue. We don't have players like you, Marcus Stripling, or you, Dwight McLaughlin, or any of these other guys that we'll cover this weekend in Dallas, there are so there's so few guys that Oklahoma has on the roster that were recruited at that level, and th- that's why 
Caleb Kelly sticks out because Caleb Kelly's the anomaly. There's not many guys in those junior and senior classes that were highly regarded recruits. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a few guys here and there. But Parnell Motley was not a big-time recruit. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jordan Thomas, you know, now gone, he wasn't a big-time recruit. Stephen Parker was. Will Johnson was not. I mean, you go down the list, and it's just a bunch of it's a, It was guys. a patchwork defense. Exactly. So I think Oklahoma has done a good job of— which is, which is why they need Caleb Kelly moving to the will and playing well next year. I, I think that's going to go really well. I really do. I think that's going to be a really nice fit for him. Um, but, you know— it, more than anything, it's about getting Caleb Kelly on the field consistently because I yeah. think that was his biggest problem last year was a guy just couldn't – I mean, now we kind of understand now that there was probably good reasons to not have him on the field if you could avoid it. But at the same time, a healthy Caleb Kelly is one of your most talented defenders. I mean, you need to find a way to have him on the field. So I think that will go well. But, yeah, to the to your original question, though, Kerry, I think a lot of – I don't hear that come up from a lot of guys. I, I sense a more of a – we're looking forward. We think Oklahoma can play defense. When I talk to DBs, they focus more on, well, that's going to give me a lot of opportunities to break up passes and make a name for myself. And that's what you heard from Radley Hiles before his announcement. Oddly, so I, I think Oklahoma's hitting the right note. Oddly enough, it was like this this last class was the first group that caught on to that idea. Like, oh, they passed the ball a lot in the Big 12. I would have more opportunities back there. Like, Leon O'Neill was the first person that I can remember that was up front with Brent with saying something like that, or maybe I, he was, that was just the first time that I noticed it. it. It's on a short list for sure. Like it's it's something OU has pushed, but for whatever reason, the elite guys just wouldn't wouldn't listen to it. They, that was not a pitch they were wanting to hear. But now, I mean, you look around the country. I almost don't see any way that Oklahoma doesn't end up with a really really good cornerback class. When you look at the guys that they're in on across the country. I mean, Cradell, Chris Steele, uh, you know, obviously Eric Young down here in Houston, who we interviewed as well at the Houston camp. I mean, just so many guys that are big-time elite players that Oklahoma is either in the top two, three, whatever for. So I, I, I think what for whatever reason, the thing is starting to turn. That conversation is starting to turn in Oklahoma's favor rather than them having to explain away the past of why their defense wasn't good. Well, and I think, I mean, you're talking about, you know, the guys that they are recruiting now and the class that they're going to bring in. We've never seen, if they end up, let's say they end up with three, you know, high four-star corners or something. We've never seen that collection of talent in one place at Oklahoma. When you take that, like right now, the, the three of us could say who's going to be the starting corners next year. I think we'd all three come up with a different a different opinion of who we're going to be the starters. I because, think, the, because they've got four guys that can legitimately go out there and play. Now, the biggest question is who's going to be the best? Who's going to be the most consistent? Yeah, I, and I think I'd probably go back on it. I, I, we did that in the roundtable. I think I'd probably go back on it now with Bookie or Buki looking more and more <laughs> like a, a nickelback. Well, and that's what he's playing. Yeah. Right? I, because they're, I'd probably I mean, they're slide actually in being Motley. smart. You had Motley in I've there. I've been championing Motley this right. entire time because I, I mean, Motley had one horrible game against Oklahoma State, and everybody, I mean, it's like with all cornerbacks, it, when someone gets burned one time, people want to throw them away. 
and go back and watch the Rose Bowl. Motley was one of the best defenders on. There weren't a lot of good defenders on the field that day, but Motley was one of them. He made a lot of plays in that game. That, that's a good one. The, he and, what, Stephen Parker are probably the two guys who didn't have to be ashamed of their night that night. Yeah. Kenneth Murray I thought was Stephen awful. Parker might have played his best game ever at Oklahoma. Yeah. But he had a good, he had a good combine, too. A good uh, pro day, I mean. Did he? Didn't I didn't see his numbers. I was interested, but I didn't catch up on him. Yeah, he was a four-four-five guy, right? And really? Yeah. I mean, look, he is not the most physical guy, but I think he was covering up for a lot of. I mean, like Ahmad Thomas, or yeah, he had to play with Ahmad Thomas. Four-five-five. It was a four-five-five. Yeah, okay, I thought it was four-four-four-five-five. Thirty-six and a half for good. safety. That's ten-six broad. I think the only thing that you would really what was his vert. Uh, thirty-six and a half. Not great, but not bad. Uh, four-three-five shuttle, six-eight-four cone, eleven-five-seven-sixty, and the only thing that was probably it wasn't a good look was uh, the bench press. He only had nine, but he is coming off the shoulder. Yeah, His shoulder. I don't know if he had surgery. I think he just had shoulder shoulder problems. Maybe. Well, that's because he's he's just not. He's always had that. I mean, he's one of those guys. Just not. He's not a huge dude. Yeah. Like you compare his body to like Tony Jefferson. Tony Jefferson was built to tackle people. Yeah. And that's probably why he's making a lot of money right now. Yeah. As an undrafted free agent. That's a. I mean, that's. I don't. Yeah. Still one of the like, probably one of the biggest question marks of all time. Is how he dropped out of the. How he wasn't drafted NFL draft. That's amazing to me. He's a good player. Uh, okay, so you talked about Marcus Stripling. Um, any, I mean, I know OU's really, you know, kind of made him one of their biggest priorities since the jump. Josh, kind of, how are things going there with him? Well, our interview, he, he kind of had to catch his ride, and twice we got interrupted. We were going to do the interview right at the start of camp, and literally, I get the camera set up. We're all ready to go. I'm just about to turn the record on, and they call the campers over to get actually started with the camp itself. And then after it's over, he had had to stay around and get his five-star invite and all these other things. And then so we kind of had to rush through the interview at the end, and people can kind of see it because he had to go. But he definitely he's going to take an official visit to Oklahoma for the spring game, yet another Rivals 100 guy. And there's another one that came out last night. So, I mean, that, that – day is just getting bigger and bigger by the moment but I think with stripling what's probably the best is I think everyone has kind of figured out that about two months ago he was real heavy on Oklahoma it was it looked like maybe he was going to announce something that there was definitely something cooking there and then he took a trip to Texas he took a trip to A&M and it seemed like all the momentum just stopped but now you're starting to see things starting to move again. And to me, that's kind of when you see how serious a kid is about a school. Because there's going to be times when other schools just happen to break your stride. And you had everything going, and then for whatever reason, it changes. And then if the kid kind of moves on, then you know what? That, that probably was never going to happen anyway. But Oklahoma's been able to get back in the door, get it, keep everything good. And I think his relationship with Calvin Thibodeau is really strong. And so I, I think that's something where Oklahoma has a real chance here. Now, what's going to be interesting is he he's going to come in. I don't know that he's going to take another official visit this spring. It, Oklahoma may be his only one. 
So is that going to help Oklahoma that he has four or five months where he's focused on that visit being the big thing of his spring recruitment, or is it going to hurt Oklahoma because everybody else is going to get those trips in in the fall? So we'll kind of see how that plays. But the good news is he's going to be an early signee, an early enrollment, so he's going to have kind of a compressed visit list there in October, November, and December. Uh, One guy I know that really impressed you uh, seeing him in person was Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver out of uh, Baker Mayfield's high school, Austin uh, Lake Travis. Uh, And you were comparing him. You were saying uh, that you thought he's the closest thing you've seen to Sterling Shepard. That's exactly who he reminds me of because he's not a guy. He's one of those guys that I always talk about where the sum is better than the parts. He's not huge. I mean, he's probably 6'1", 175. He's not extremely long. He's not he's not overly fast. I mean, he's not a guy that's going to go run 4-4 or anything like that. But, man, I don't care where the corner was. I don't care what the coverage was. I don't care what the route was. Whatever the situation was, that guy came up with the ball. And there were some corners. He went against guys like Derek Stingley, a five-star out of Louisiana. I mean, he faced some elite defensive backs and time and time again came up with the ball. And it was... It could have been really tight coverage. Sometimes he he would get rid of the corner and he'd make a nice move and he'd be open for a catch. And obviously those are easy, but in traffic it reminded me of Shepard because that you guys know how that would be where where the ball would go into Sterling and you're like, there's no way, and then it, it would just magically end up in his hands. And that's what it felt like when you're watching Garrett Wilson because there was a there was one that was even deflected and he kind of fell backward and caught it. And, you know, it was just a concentration thing that a lot of guys don't have. So uh, that's that's the absolute easiest comparison for me to make is I see a lot of Sterling Shepard in his game, which tells you how good he is, what a talented guy he is. I think there are two five-stars in the state of Texas at wide receiver in Theo Weiss and R.J. Henderson. I think you could make a case for Theo Weiss being better than Garrett Wilson. But I also think you can absolutely make a case that Garrett's the best receiver in Texas. Just watching his uh, highlights that you put out, Josh, it, he is extremely smooth. Just makes everything look so easy. He never looks like he's out of control. Like he, It's just always it's very crisp and easy, and he just kind of flows in and out of his cuts. And I think that makes it more difficult to cover him because he never... It's not like, okay, he's on this hour out. Okay, it gets a little herky-jerky, and I can kind of read that. There's no tell in what he's doing because it always looks the same off the snap, and I think that's part of what makes him so tough to cover is because you're just having to react to what he does rather than having a, a, some indicators that you can go off of. I'd say out of all the guys, and I watched most of the Texas high school playoffs last year. I mean, I watched Allen play, uh, watched Lake Travis play, uh, watched uh, Alito play, like, and Jason McClellan, like he's a running back. So I mean, he, you know, and he kind of shares time with the other kid that they had. But of all the guys that I watched, like Garrett Wilson to me stood out more than anybody, just in terms of being a playmaker. Like when they needed a play, he was the guy they went to, and that's a high level of high school football. Uh, I don't disagree. I mean, I talked to him about it in the interview that we did and how much that game changed the perception of him, their their state title game against Allen. And you have to remember, the thing that's most notable about that is he was having to play not with his quarterback. His quarterback had signed with Ohio State, had gotten hurt in the state semifinals, tried to give it a go. 
I believe got hurt on the very first play from scrimmage and didn't play again the rest of the night. So, I mean, and again, a guy going to Ohio State, so this wasn't just some other quarterback. This was a really good player that Wilson had racked up. I think last year he ended up with like 98 catches for 1,500 yards or some crazy thing like that. So he'd put up huge numbers with this guy, and he did all that he did in that game with a backup quarterback also while playing defensive back and pretty much handling Theo Weiss all night. Uh, okay, so anything else uh, that, that really stood out to you about the camp or uh, the content that we've got on the site right now that people should check out? You know, kind of to keep on the Garrett Wilson thing, I, I thought his interview was really interesting on two points. One, the fact that he kind of acknowledged that while Texas and Ohio State, everybody expects them to be the choices, and I, I'm kind of with that. I'm not arguing that that's wrong, but he was very clear that Oklahoma was the best visit they've taken. He goes, it's the best place we've visited so far. And that kid's been to Texas. He's been to Ohio state. I mean, that, that said a lot to me. And the other side was just kind of funny where he talked about, uh, Oklahoma kind of telling him that, Hey, we know we're going to win all these other schools or, you know, some other schools are going to tell you, Oh, we're going to win. It's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. And he kind of said, I, you know, I kind of know who they're talking about. And it, <laughs> well, they're it, not it talking about Ohio State. Yeah. clear shot at Texas. Yeah, they're not talking so, about Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, they, they're not jabbing Urban Meyer's problems with winning. So, uh, But outside of that, uh, any any anything else besides those guys stand out? Obviously a bunch of young guys. I mean, you know, you're going to have – it's a really going to be an interesting few years along the offensive line in Houston with her. I bet I saw – five or six 2020, 2021 guys that OU will probably end up offering. I mean, there's a a lot of really good, big, long athletes um, in Houston in that in that area, or excuse me, at offensive line. So that, that'll be something to keep an eye on. Um, but no, I mean, for the most part, <laughs> like I said, there were six or seven guys that were really high-level guys and were focused on them. But aside from that, there, there wasn't – there's not a lot of new names because – like I said, Oklahoma kind of charity picks in Houston who they're going to target. What did uh, Corey Robertson look like? He looked fantastic. And I, you know, it was actually Eddie who was watching the video and he messaged me the other night and he goes, Oh, you don't have a lot of guys that look like that. And I'm like, that's, that's exactly right. He is just, he's one of those guys where you're like, I, I guess the best way I can think of it, like a kind of like a fire hydrant. Cause he's like, like a Kelly Gregg, like where he's like, God dog, he's just big everywhere. But he's six foot three and a half. I mean, this isn't like a little sawed off kind of fire plug guy. This is a big, sturdy dude. And I think, unlike Stripling, who I think Stripling's a defensive end no matter what set he's in. If he's a three four, he can play the end there. If he's uh, you know in a four three, he can play defensive end there. I think Corey would move around depending on what the what scheme you were running. But at the same time, he's a guy with a lot of athleticism. Uh, I think he's still learning with his hands. He can get, play a little high sometimes. But my questions with him are all about, you know, technical issues that he can learn and he can improve on. But when you're talking about just a big guy that's probably, I'd say, 6'3", 280 right now and can move his feet, that, those guys are hard to come by. And you, could, you really have to give OU credit because this isn't a guy that everybody else had offered and OU decided they wanted to go in on and, you know, just happened to land. This was a guy that didn't have a lot of big-time offers, but I watch him, and that's a 25-30 offer guy. I mean, he, he's going to be – he's going to pick up a lot of offers between now and when he signs. 
Uh, now we got, you know, spring football starting back up next week, um, and we've got three weeks left of that, and and that's going to culminate with the big uh, official visit date. An official visit, you know, juniors now can come in this early on official visits. That means the teams can fly them in, uh, you know, have them all weekend, feed them, take them to places, uh, and then they can come to the spring game. But uh, Josh. We're going to keep previewing this as we go throughout the podcast in the next few weeks, but uh, just in terms of that list, that uh, how much is that really growing, or uh, is it really just about confirming guys at this point that that have already you already thought were going to come in? Oh yeah, I mean, there's definitely that aspect because we've already had several guys that were going to come, and now they've had to change their plans. Um, I'm trying to think of there was one guy at the the event the other day and I'm trying to remember who it was that was expected to be there for the spring game and now he's changed his mind. Uh, it wasn't Garrett Wilson, it wasn't Kenyon Green. I can't remember. It, it'll come to me after the podcast, but there was already one guy that changed it. So you always have to go back and continue to check and make sure. But, you know, I mentioned I kind of referenced it earlier. Caden Wallace, Rivals 100 offensive lineman from uh, New Jersey last night. He tweeted out he'll be taking his official visit for the spring game. Uh, a big-time guy offers from you know Penn State, Ohio State. You, you run in the list everywhere. He's a big, big prospect from the Hun School, which some people remember. The last time OU was at the Hun was when they were recruiting Myron Hole. Uh, Myron Hole. Yeah. So there are um, <laughs> there's not a lot of history there, but he's been in contact with Bill Bedenbo for a long time, and I think Oklahoma. Probably Penn State's got to be considered the favorite here. But if OU can have a great visit, I, I wouldn't rule that out just because of how well Oklahoma recruits on the offensive line right now. Okay, so uh, spring football will get started back. Uh, still don't have Caleb Kelly. He won't be practicing. Even though he's making the switch to Will, he's not practicing. Uh, Jordan Parker could be back uh, when they come back. And, of course, that'll be huge for the secondary because I still think – I mean – I really think it's probably Parnell Motley and then those other three guys battling for that, that other spot, Trey Brown, uh, Trey Norwood, and Jordan Parker. Um, and I think it's going to be really good, too, just because Trey Brown, now that he's... I, and I understand why people love him, because when he's been in the game, he's made plays. And, I mean, as a cornerback, that's what ultimately you're judged upon. Like, uh, Zach Sanchez, even when he was younger... He came in the game, he made plays. Aaron Colvin came in the game, made plays. So uh, it'll be good to see more of Trey Brown, I would think, from the coach's standpoint, just to see, okay, is this kid really just in the right place at the right time, or is he, is he a playmaker? I think you're, you're going to be able to find some of that out in the spring. I mean, I'm starting to lean towards playmaker because all he did at Union was make plays. Yeah. And then he played exceptionally well as a freshman, just being thrown out there into the mix. He has a burst that nobody else has. Yeah, he's, I mean, he is. He's as, he's as explosive as anybody in that secondary. Absolutely. So, I, I mean, that's going to be really interesting. And I don't know. I mean, the first week, I don't know that we learned a whole lot. I mean, we talked to Austin Kendall. Uh, we didn't talk to Kyler Murray because he's been playing so much baseball uh, and playing pretty well, actually. So, I mean... I know people want to say, well, it's Kyler Murray's job, and I think it still is. But it is going to be interesting because I think you have so many playmakers, with whether it's CeeDee Lamb, Marquise Brown, Grant Calcaterra, um, you know, now Charleston Rambo will get in the mix. But 
to me, it's almost as much about you know finding a guy that can distribute the football to those guys as it is, you know, being a dual threat guy like Kyler Murray. I think that's probably that's always what Riley has wanted, isn't it? Just a guy that can distribute. Yeah, but I'm saying I think that puts Austin Kendall into yeah the competition position. if he can be a guy that finds receivers and distributes the football and and does it quickly because. I mean, Kyler Murray's got some disadvantages with his height. It, it just is. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that, in a way, it it kind of is going to be interesting what they do at left tackle. Can Bobby Evans make that that move? Yeah. Can they find an answer at right tackle? Or and you might need a that, guy yeah. that can move around a little bit more. And he needs. he's going to have to make that move now that they lost out on Calvin Anderson. Right. So, I mean, he's the left tackle. Now, now it's going to be... Uh, is uh, uh, Adrian Ely going to be your right tackle? Are you going to move Drew Samia over to right tackle? They're going to work all those guys. So um, I, I don't personally, I don't think it'd be a bad offensive line if you had Samia at right tackle and brought in uh, Cody Ford to be a guard. No, I, I don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm just in the minority, but I've never been a guy that just it seems like there's a lot of hate for Drew Samia out there that I just don't understand. Well, he played terrible in the Rose Bowl. One game. I I think it's more a matter of when you see that offensive line, the rare moments when they struggle. It's him. It's usually Samia. Yeah. Like, not always. I don't want to put all that on him because he's not a bad player. I think part of it is that what's around him is so stinking good that it shines a light when someone's not right on point. And I think at times... He just isn't. I, I thought he struggled against Ohio State. Uh, he, I mean, when you look at Ohio State, the rare times when they got pressure up the middle, it was almost always over right guard. I mean, just almost without exception. And you look at that Georgia game. When they moved that, the, the interior guy towards Samia, all of a sudden you started seeing Baker having some pressure in his face. And also when they blocked a field goal at the end. it was smart. Yeah, that, yeah. Did, that didn't help. <laughs> that, 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 Besides so, yeah, that, I mean, though. It's, and then like he's, said, and then he's getting into fights. You know, he's getting personal p- fouls. He and endeared stuff himself and to me when he got kicked out of a game this year. The West Virginia game. That was awesome. Guy spit on him, lost his mind. I, I thought it was awesome just because it was the first time I'd ever seen Lincoln Riley get in somebody's face like that. Yeah. I was just he like, He jumped Whoa. his ass, that's for sure. Lincoln Riley can jump somebody's ass. Beaton Bow was like, eh. <laughs> kind of liked it. Yeah, they're scared of Beaton Bow. There's not a guy big enough. I don't know if I'd want to not be scared of beat. Yeah, I, I I definitely wouldn't want to be. I want beat and bow on my team in the back alley. We'll put it that way. He's robo beat and bow now. With the he's got stealth a, arm. He's got his arm in a. I don't know what that is. Exoskeleton. Yeah, he's gonna come back throwing like ninety five towards bicep. Like, uh, Henry Henry Roan Gardner. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't even watch that movie if it wasn't about the Cubs, would you? Uh, I, I was talking to somebody about this last night. I'm more of a big, uh, little big league guy than rookie of the year. It was that, it was more drama ish. Yeah, just a fact somewhere that shouldn't even be up for debate. I yeah. mean, rookie of the year was a cartoon. It was a live action cartoon. It was good though. Oh, I will say it. Little was big good. league was like yeah, there was legitimate like little drama in there. Lou Collins banging out the manager's mom. I mean, <laughs> come on, that's. <laughs> That's drama. That's the drama I like. Who played Lou Collins? Oh, I I looked it up last night. Was it night. the guy that was in... Uh... He's usually a bad guy. Oh, you need to look this up. Oh, yeah. 
It was... Is that a Timothy guy? Timothy Busfield. Timothy Busfield, yeah. Josh, you know what was crazy? I want to hit on this in the recruiting segment, but every guy that you talked to in Houston had something in common. Do you know what I'm, I'm getting at? Every guy that I talked to in Houston had something in common. That was being recruited by OU. Conversations with Lincoln Riley? Close. Okay. Every one of them is it Buki? knows Buki. Oh, that's... Like, I can't remember the last time that OU... Besides, like, the Baker Mayfield, the guy that, like, made his name in Norman, I can't remember a guy that has this much, like... How is that a guy from California that played in Florida knows all these kids? I, I really don't know. Like, the, I don't know if he talks to him or if he's just... Because I never really necessarily took him as a guy that was just extremely active on Twitter. Yeah. Is it the hair? Like, People I really don't him. know. People love him. I think he's, A, he's very memorable. B, he's one of those guys that, you know, like, and you guys have been to enough camps, you know, you'll go to a camp and there's a guy that's really hyped up and you get there and you're like, well, that was kind of disappointing. I don't think he ever threw one of those out. You were never like, oh, that that wasn't a great day for him. Like, he just, he's one of those guys that really seems to kind of relish in that. Like, at the Army game, I really wanted to go in and not be impressed by Buki because he concerned me with his size and all those things. And I watched him for like five minutes, like crap, he's really good. Yeah. He's just really, really good. And, and then I, he makes I think plays that like kind of commands a respect from a lot of other guys. Yeah. And I say that he some of those plays that you just had on video just from practice at the army game, I was like, Holy shit, okay. That's well, I mean the first, he very made first that pass play. break up in practice yeah. and in the first series of the game, he batted that ball, you know, that um Caden Stearns ended up intercept or was it Caden Stern? No, it was uh uh, Jaden Woodby got the interception on that right. one. But I mean, that he just he has a knack for being around the ball, and that's I think that's part of it too. But I, what's interesting is where does it start? Like I think like with Eric Young, who's talked about him over and over again, and th- those guys really do have a good relationship. I don't know if Eric liked him, and then when he went up there for the visit, they kind of got to know each other, or if there was something that preceded it. Like I, I've never really kind of gotten to the heart of that. But there's no question. I mean, every guy is like, oh, yeah, I know Buki. And yeah. it just it, it changes everything when they have a guy there that they feel like will give them the straight truth. And I, that just that can change your whole recruiting outlook. It's going to be interesting. I, I think that OU and, you know, Andy Staples kind of wrote an article in Sports Illustrated just about his time in Norman and how they need to make that. Neck, that that jump from good to or great to really really good yeah. to get with Bama and Clemson's of the world and Georgia, it's going to be interesting. Can guys like that bridge that gap, and can they actually make that step now? Because I think that you know I think we would all agree they are very very close with the two classes that they've had the last two years of getting back to or getting to a point where they can compete in the semifinals. You know it was it was a good uh, it was nicely perceived by staples it's something that we've all known like yeah we haven't talked about it that openly but yeah. just like we were talking about you yeah, the secondary has been kind of patchwork it's been that way for a long time yeah like OU's defensive line it's been like dj ward he doesn't play at alabama or clemson no i mean he was a nice productive you know he's a productive player in guy, the big 12 but he doesn't he doesn't play it at, at clemson or alabama i'm not sure anybody other than neville gallimore is even recruited there well, I mean, guys, think of Clemson or Alabama and think of ever saying, well, that fifth-year senior really surprised us. 
Yeah. Hell no, that guy's gone. Like he's not there. They've got some superstar sophomore that's come in and is going to be an NFL draft pick. Those guys just don't last there. So that's that's kind of the way that goes. And I would say, you know, until Kenneth Murray, physically, OU didn't even have a linebacker that could have been fourth string at Alabama. An interior linebacker. You don't think Dominique Alexander would have, you know, at 225 pounds, would have gotten Nick Saban all hot and bothered? Look, Dominic is in the league. He made a lot of tackles when he was OU, but he was a patchwork linebacker. Like a lot of players that they've had. Well, and so much of it is not his fault because there was nothing there. He had to play before he was ready. There's no telling what he would have been if he could have had the time to develop. (sighs) Timothy. By the way, uh, somebody asked me on this on the board, and this is the God's honest truth. Like, OU never releases, like, faculty hires, unless it's like a – I think maybe – when there was a big changeover in GAs and, and QCs one year, and they did it like all at once, like when Tyler Tettleton came in and yeah, like Joe John Finley, yeah, I think. Joe John I, Finley, I, I, and then they had the yep. bunch, and like I think like uh, Derek Strait was like almost a GA or something. Like they had one mass announcement, but like the Bob Diaco thing, like they're not going to make a big deal out of that. They're not going to do a whole press release thing. Like we'll ask Lincoln next week, and. Now that's been finalized, he'll address it. And he actually went on the sports animal, and he was asked about it. And he said, well, I can't really say much because it's not finalized yet. But then they said, well, tell us about Bob Diaco, what you know of him as a coach. And he went on and on and on about how he'd met him at the Broyles Awards and how much respect he had for the defenses he had at Notre Dame. And and uh, um, so, I mean, it's, it's clear that, that he's their guy. But it's still an analyst position. It's it's basically a QC position. He cannot coach on the field. Uh, he can't he can't recruit off campus. But I mean, you know, it's like I saw Buki Buki. Uh, I saw him like tweeting about it. Like he was fired up because he met him at Nebraska. I think the imp- the impression that I've gotten Josh is that he does connect well with recruits. He's just obviously terrible at dealing with media. Yeah, in my conversations with some people, just talking, I think everybody that knows him was really impressed that Oklahoma was able to kind of finish that deal. That I I think, unlike some of the the positions where OU's gotten a guy that you know was a former player or was whatever, you know, just wasn't a guy that was well known. Diaco is a guy that could could have probably had some some DC jobs in some places, and just chose to go this route and that kind of thing. But yeah, I, I don't know. As far as an analyst, I mean, I don't know how involved with recruiting he'll be. I mean, he'll obviously help with some various things. Yeah, it'll just be on-campus kind of stuff. Yep, exactly. But I think it says a lot about where people outside the program see this program moving toward under Lincoln Riley that a guy like Bob Diaco would kind of hitch his wagon to Oklahoma. Yeah, I I think it's very telling, too, that just getting another head coach – experience getting a defensive guy in there just getting another opinion in there in the coaching office I think will uh will be a good thing moving forward and I I thought it was also interesting I, I noticed that he is going to talk at the Notre Dame coaches clinic on Friday and uh he it was listed as Oklahoma analyst Bob Diaco was so, it I didn't see that yeah well I mean yeah I mean it's 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 notable and that's what I said when I first announced it like that's the biggest hire they've ever had 
for a faculty oh, position. Oh, this is, I mean, this is the stuff that we've been saying that Alabama does this. Does and, it for years. Yeah. I mean, this is the Georgia first time does that they've this moved and, in that direction. And really, you got to give Lincoln Riley credit because it was it even started with the 10th assistant bringing in Shane Beamer. Like, yeah. Like, it could have been one of those, oh, well, here's OU being cheap. They're just, I'm not, nothing against anybody, you know, but like, for, say for just because he's there, like it would have been like moving Ty Darlington up or something. I mean, like, like just a that's an easy thing, and you're not gonna have to pay him much, and you know he's gonna be kind of like a, you know, an extra assistant. But no, when you bring in Shane Beamer, you're bringing in a guy with a you know a, a DNA of special teams. I mean, you're bringing in a guy that's really gonna add something to your team in a very tangible way. So I mean. That's been really that's been the most impressive thing about Lincoln Riley. Now that he's having a chance, and I thought Ruffin McNeil was a good hire for a defense, you know, position coach. And it, it, it is just funny because every time you bring in a defense, anybody associated with defense, it's just like that's Mike Stoops' replacement right there. Yeah. Now Bob Diaco could definitely be Tim Kish's replacement. Why? Why would they need to do that? <laughs> okay, stop it. Just let that one go, all right? Somewhere Noel Sooner just burned his computer. <laughs> I saw Kish walk into the pro day and, hey, coach, how you doing? As he was walking by, I was like, man, I wonder if he knows how much shit I talk about him. Probably not. Well, like in public? On the board? Just anywhere, yeah. I would just assume if you're a D, and this is just for anyone who might be listening, if you're a defensive coach, you know it's out there. Just don't go out in public. Don't look at the comment section. Well, no, just just when you go out, be nice to people, smile, but don't talk to anyone. <laughs> Head down, eyes down. Until, no eye contact. Until you have a top 15 defense, just be hermits. It'd be tough. Don't, don't have a, tough a social thing to do. life. Yeah, it's a tough thing to do. So you can see your family and your wives. You get paid well, just stay on your back patio. Yeah. <laughs> Find something to do. Woodworking, I don't know. <laughs> Get a hobby. Until it's until this defense is back in the top twenty, top fifteen. Don't go out in public. Well, it's it will be uh, it will be interesting when they return from uh, spring break, and we actually it was kind of like a little tease last week with um, pro day and with spring break story. I mean, not spring break, but uh, spring football starting. Baker back in town. Mark Andrews back in town. It was, it was kind of good to be out out there and about for a while. I'm gonna say something really bad, but I'm not gonna do it. What? It's in terms of teasing. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, I mean it's it's gonna be interesting because then you really start getting into scrimmages where you can start talking about quarterback. It's gonna be interesting to see what Lincoln decides to divulge about. How guys looked quarterback wise. It's just going to be the kind of the same coach speak. Both did some good things. Both did some bad things. Never as good as you look, and you're never as bad as you look when you watch it back on tape. But the offensive line, I mean, that right tackle thing, that'll be a story. TJ Pledger, I think it's going to be interesting to see kind of what we hear out of camp from him. What did you think about seeing him? I, a little bit. I don't know what I was really expecting to see just as far as I, I guess he's a little bit smaller than I was thinking 
uh, definitely height wise, definitely stockier. Yeah, stocky for sure. Uh, I I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I in a weird way, I'm really intrigued by Kennedy Brooks. Yeah, I think he's a he's a lot bigger than I thought. Yeah. He, thought he was. Well, he's had some time to work on that those legs and that yeah. one arm. It will be interesting. I, th- I think I thought that they Levi have... Draper actually looked bigger than I thought he would too, bigger than he did last fall. I think people have this idea that Levi's like really really skinny, and I mean he's not he's not Kenneth Man big. I mean uh, Kenneth Murray big. Yeah, nobody but he, is. But he he's not. It's just not night and day difference. I don't think. I mean he's a, yeah, but he looked like he's a, guy a little slider out in the fall last year. He looked like a guy that just come from high school. Yeah, well, and he did. I mean I. Josh has rehashed it before just as far as, you know, we went up to see him at Collinsville and it's like, okay, that's that's Levi, obviously. He's bigger than just about everybody. And then gets down to San Antonio and it's like, okay, well, he probably does have a little, a little room to grow. Ronnie Perkins is a big, thick kid. Ronnie he Perkins like, wearing like single like digits right place. is the most sexual thing OU football <laughs> has done in a while. A defensive lineman wearing a single digit. Was is, it seven? Is yeah, seven? seven. Pretty hot. That's Cle- that's Clemson stuff right there. Like, and actually, I think Florida State's the first team I can think that did that. You got to be a badass to do that. You can't be. Like they did it in the eighties. Like you, you can't get away with it with three and a half tackles a year. You got to be a difference maker if you're wearing single digits. Yeah, I would agree. Outside of that, um, I don't know. I thought uh, it is funny though. Just Jaquelin the difference. Crawford looked pretty decent i didn't see a whole lot of him i for some reason he was like one of the guys that i just he's didn't. shorter than i thought he would be but he looks like he's 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 built for a freshman like he spent and some time in the weight room you guys know how this is you do this long enough like certain guys just look like they're fast he looks like a guy that's fast yeah. yeah like you just watch him how he carries himself and moves around you like that dude can run i want to call him jay quellen <laughs> after comedy central Key and Peel thing. Key and Peel skit. Jacqueline. I thought CeeDee Lamb looked really good, too. I mean, God, he's going to he be is a monster. Like, he, I mean, he isn't like, he has put on weight, and you don't really notice how much until he's standing next to, like, Charleston Rambo and A.D. Mm-hmm. Miller. Like, A.D. Miller has been there. I can't believe A.D. Miller is still here, to be honest with you. Charleston Rambo said that he's going to be a contributor. Hey, yeah. we oh. talked about Clemson, Alabama. A.D. Miller would have been processed at those two programs by now. I thought he. I thought they tried to process him last year. He just won't leave. <laughs> He's like, like they don't have a Nick Saban to threaten him within an inch of his life to leave. You will take. You remember? That you remember Darren? You remember Darren Stevens, Josh? Oh yeah, that dude. I was surprised he was never like. I was surprised somebody just never went up to him and was like, "Hey, you got to go. Well, you need to." Leave. I mean. You know how that is, because I mean, we have the, we've had the conversations for a while about Imbonasor and some of those other guys that you know the coaches were telling them exactly the same things we're saying, like you're never going to play here. And for some reason, some of these guys, it's like I don't know, like, it's like it's like they want to prove the coaches wrong. I'm like, man, they make the decisions. Once they've decided on that, it's done. There's nothing to change. People talk so much shit on him behind the scenes. Oh. Mm. Like, he he's at Louisville now, right? Yep. We'll never see him again. In Banasaur? Yeah. Yeah. Which is a shame because he had such a great name. You could have done so many things with Banasaur. I mean, but. some people just won't leave. Like, Bobby Jack Wright really tried to get Brett Bowers to quit. 
and he never would. He just came coming back to pro days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about someone in denial? Like he was coming back to pro after never having played in college. He came back to pro days multiple times to work out to to work out for pro scouts. I respect it. <laughs> I respect it. At least and probably he, never even got invited to a camp. No. I mean, not as a football player, maybe as like a spectator. I know in my <laughs> Mitsubishi guy. Eclipse that's sitting out there right now in the trunk still to this day is a Brett Bowers highlight video. It, from the day I got it, it has resided in that trunk. <laughs> I never watched it. And you should see this thing, Eddie. It's glorious. It is like... They did, Josh, do you remember his? It his was like ahead of tape? its time, wasn't it? Yeah, I was just saying, Eddie. This is before anybody did this stuff. Like, like it was like they had like an album cover. That's the only way I can d- describe it. Like it had pictures of him, like a montage. Like it looked like one of those things those, the the teenage girls do when they dump that clear shit on it, hodgepodge or whatever. What do they call oh, that stuff? Uh, yeah, like I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like they put pictures on like a. Uh, a study board. They put that clear shit on it, and it's like only, those... the only thing I can think of is a shop book, but it's obviously not. I'm sure they don't do this anymore. This is probably eighties and nineties stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, it was it's Duncan, so you got to consider like ten years behind everywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> City guys, city. Oh, you guys are so yeah, so metropolitan. <laughs> <We're> so metropolitan. <laughs> Eddie, you were you were out doing the same stuff we were, blowing people's mailboxes up, and pushing them over. See, we did all that stuff. Yeah, but we did it with much more veracity. We were city people. <laughs> no, city people do not go as hard as country people. Well, it's lawless out there. It was lawless. There are much fewer cops. It was to lawless catch you. in our very privileged area of Northwest Oklahoma City as well. <laughs> So anyway, um, by the way, the I was trying to think of what it was, the greatest tweet that came out yesterday. You know what I'm talking about? I don't think no. so. We, when we were talking about trying to get guys to leave, Lane Kiffin, Chris Robison. Oh, man. Suspended day to day. Day to day. Great. That's so <laughs> awesome. What? I mean, it, I'm sure it... Suspended by Lane Kiffin. You know how much of a shit you have to be to get suspended by Lane Kiffin? I I was going to do it yesterday, and I'll do it this afternoon, but that almost makes you have to check the police blotter out of uh, Boca Raton to see if his name comes up. I I can tell you, I have talked to someone, and I have firsthand information of what Ooh. happened. It is not anything legal. It's nothing. It, it, if, if it is what I was told it was, it was a pretty normal college kid transgression as far as I, what I was told is he missed a study hall. But or maybe if, you're, a getting, of if you're getting suspended for study hall, that means that is a... But uh, that's on top of having two incidents at Oklahoma. Yes. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. Any skepticism with Robinson, he has earned. Um, but at the same time, you're just like, God, like... You're the quarterback. Just fly right. Like, don't you can't do that stuff. You have to be, you you have to be more accountable than anybody else in the roster. And I, that may not be fair. That's just the way it is. Man, just a guy that cannot get out of his own way. 
All that being said, he'll probably be the starter in opening day. <laughs> I bet money on it. I, I, what I was told, and we'll see how good my source is because everybody can check me on this. I was told that probably by Thursday he would no longer be um, suspended. Oh, the, the seventy-two hour suspension. But yeah, he's only yeah. suspended for the days that they need to. You know, why do you even make they that need info on OU's offense? Why do you even make that public if that's if that's how it's going to go? Was down? he even here long enough to learn anything about the offense? Really? I don't know. You can if he uh, if he was reading the playbook through those yellow sunglasses. I bet that uh, he picked everything <laughs> out. Eddie's so triggered by the yellow sunglasses. It, it, there's no bigger statement that I'm a loser than wearing yellow sunglasses in public. Weren't they kind of like <laughs> yellow and pink? They were bad. I mean, you could say those visors PTSD. that everybody is wearing are yellow. And he was he was doing that hand wringing thing, like where he was like, "Yeah, you know," like you could tell. Yeah, like he was really feeling himself in those glasses. <laughs> Jesus, I it I I don't know. And I like I liked Chris. Chris and I had a good relationship. We did, but I mean, he was he was always an interesting dude to cover. I can remember going back to high school, hearing about like his days in high school, like hearing about his crazy girlfriend and all. I mean, like he had a lot of stuff going on in his world. He he was a like he was trying to start businesses when he was in high school. He he was Chris had an interesting look on life, no doubt about it. God, hopefully he got rid of that girl. It was like it was like if Malibu's most wanted was a really good football player, Brad Gluckman or whatever his name, B Rad. That's what it was like. Yeah, I don't even want to bring up the movies of the past. Michael Anthony Hall, Johnny B. Good. Oh, that's a great one. You cannot run. You don't run down Johnny B. Good. I'm just saying for Eddie that turns us into old men. We bring up movies like that. Fair enough. It. Old text. The power of the internet just gives Eddie the ability to look something up to just tell us how old we are. <laughs> probably, even, you can probably watch the trailer on YouTube. Not even coming up. So, well, you're probably spelling good wrong, if yeah, I had to guess. G-O-O-D-E. Mm-hmm. That's what it came up. Look up Anthony Michael Hall and Tony Stark. Actually, it's, it's Robert Downey Jr., so anyway, yeah, there it is. If you'll type in Johnny oh, yeah, and Anthony Michael it. Hall, there's your trailer. 1988. <laughs> I was one. I hated that movie. I didn't think it was good at all. I tore it up on IMDb. Four and a half out of ten. <laughs> That's about right. The football was not realistic either. Oh, it was awful. It was. It, it, was, it made um, uh, Varsity Blues look like a documentary. <laughs> yeah, it really did. <laughs> Great movie. It made it made all the right moves look like an Oscar nominated yeah. film. Yeah, it did. You know it pains me to give all the right moves any credit in front of you, Carrie. Greatest football movie ever made. <laughs> oh God. Right ahead of Friday Night Lights. Oh no. Absolutely. I'm so tainted to Friday Night Lights because I read the book and I love the book so much. So Buzz Bissinger is kind of a dick. Oh, no, he's an alcoholic, he isn't he? doesn't do it justice. Yeah. He's a dick. He's a huge dick. But he wrote a great book. He did he write did. a good book. Yep, he did. All right, boys. Uh, anything else you want to hit on before we got out of here? We thoroughly ripped Trey Young 
and his relationship with every player. It'll be interesting to see. Here's the one thing that gets me triggered about Trey Young is when he starts talking about his brand. I bet that's something that endeared him to everybody. I just want to know, like the, I just want to know the tell-all. Like I, I want to know what happened. We can get like Ty Lazenby to write that or something. I think say who's going to be the one to write it. I, you know who I'd put my money on, Cam Mcgusty. Uh, he feels like a dude who has beef. Yeah, I would say. Let's just say, if you're watching the NCAA tournament this weekend, you might want to pay attention to Nevada and how they've put a team together full of transfers <laughs> from, from the JUCO level. Because oh, you might be doing. Oh, that you soon. might be on that. Uh, oh, you might be on that wavelength uh, next season. But it will be interesting. I. It's a very interesting period for the University of Oklahoma. I tweeted it after the final game. They enter a, an off season in which there are a lot of question marks, and one of them was answered uh, yesterday with Trey Young. I think uh, a couple of them will be answered here in the in the coming weeks, and uh, Bob will be all over that once it that, once it happens. That's something I meant to ask. If you guys, if I was going to give you an over under of three on transfers, and I'm not even including Trey going pro, I'm just talking about three guys leaving. Would you take the over or the under? Right now, I would say not including Trey. Yeah, not including Trey. I would say under, but there's a good chance of a push. At three. Yeah, can you bet a push? No, I don't think so. I guess it would have to be under. Or I guess it, I'd take I over and just I would say under just because some of the rumors I've heard just don't seem realistic. Like, let's say if you're going to an in-state directional school when you have a scholarship at OU, I have a hard time yeah. believing that. Yeah, I don't see that happening. I, I definitely think that, I mean, I think everybody knows that Matt Freeman's probably out the door. We should be. I don't think that anybody's really necessarily saying uh, stay around either. I think Darren Stevens was a better football player than he is a basketball player. Oh, ouch. I know Jawan Poteet was. At least Poteet could run. He was good on special teams. Yeah, he was good on special teams. He got to play some mop-up time. Yeah. Ardmore. Maybe the last Ardmore guy at Oklahoma? Uh... Tyrese no, God, Jermaine. Jermaine, what am I thinking? Tyree Slot. Oh, yeah. wow, really bad. Double whammy of bad. I sat next to Jake Reed at uh, Gabe Eichert's wedding. He's from Ardmore. He was a walk-on, though. Mm-hmm. Eddie doesn't remember him. No, I'm just trying to think. Like He was the guy that go got, crazy false, for a minute? He got falsely accused by a girl. Yeah. That's got what I was, kicked off the team. I was trying to think. Did he... Do something actually bad, or was he? Uh, they, I mean, the guys on his team, like they all loved him, loved him. Still, I mean, obviously, he got invited to Gabe Eichert's wedding. Right, right. The funny thing was that the Big Twelve one year they used Gabe Eichert's like uh, cutout to highlight that he was like the uh, you know all Amer- all academic, all American stuff, and on his wrist he had a, it was after Jake Reed had been kicked off the team. He had like a save Jake writing on his I wristband. I that. Yeah, I think I remember that. That was pretty funny. <laughs> Every team needs some bad boys. I don't. I don't know that Lincoln's going to have tolerance for bad boys. If you're good enough, if I you're bet good there enough, will be. yeah. Like every year, if I was a coach, I'd 
calling the walk-ons be like, all right, who's doing it? Let's say Somebody needs a weed possession this spring. Good enough. You need a couple DUIs over the summer. Or you're established enough. Somebody, who's, raise your hand. Who's going to be it? <laughs> who's the cousin? And then I just start picking on the rich kids. I, I got the answer for you. It is Cortez Johnson. <laughs> just keep bringing him back every year. <laughs> Cortez, we, we know it's not convenient, but... Jalen really Saunders, you took one for Jalen Saunders. We need to take one for we need you to take Charleston Rambo. <laughs> yeah. wonder what Cortez Johnson is doing. I don't know. He's one of those guys Today that... Today's been a show of names from the past. Yeah. Of random names from the past. And if your name's been brought up, it's probably because you've been shit on, so... Or you weren't any good. I'm sorry that... You, I'm not sorry. Let's talk some Cliff Takawana. <laughs> That's Ardmore. Uh-huh. That's a name that I absolutely have he no idea. He lasts about as long as Adam Carpenter. <laughs> uh, uh, Jesse but, White. But none of them outdid uh, Dylan Dismuke from Duncan. Yeah, wasn't he? That's one of the better stories <laughs> think, of all time. Did he last like 30 he minutes? Tired after he committed. <laughs> he was, you, you know the gif of... Uh, Homer Simpson's yep. dad walking in, he yeah. sets the hat down, he comes in, yeah. grabs the hat, walks right back That's out. That's like Dylan Dismuke's career. career. <laughs> Was there, I mean, well, Dalton would beat everybody. He will never, I don't think you can be topped. That will be a... Was he I, ever actually out of practice? Well, didn't he show up... Again, Oklahoma He moved again. into Headington for like a night and then left in the middle of the night. Wasn't he... Uh, was he Logan Ro right. Roberson's roommate no or was, no that's not right it was one of the oklahoma oh. kids that he lived with or moved in with right robertson i mean dalton woods well, and that was after weeks of him not reporting right right he, he didn't came show late. up didn't show up finally comes and like tells everybody okay i've got it all sorted out you know we've had a little family problem blah 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 and then he was there for like 24 hours at most i think it was more like 12 that i mean his name will go down i would think in message board lore is he's up there with the uh robert meacham of the world the uh uh what's the kid's name uh will at will least Latou, at least yeah. in my recent since i've been around those are three names that are like those are up there those are the three and i wasn't even around for me i'm trying to think of all the guys that have signed and never showed up shown up courtney gardner John Carlo, John Carlo Valentine. Oh yeah. Uh, well, I mean, um, what's his name? Gun at school. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Josh Jarbo. Josh Jarbo is going to be one of the. He's got to be one of the most infamous. Our first TMZ moment as a site. Great music video, though. I really thought he had. <laughs> I really thought the rap career Great freestyle. was. Yeah, I really thought the rap career was going to get some legs I will after never he put forget. that one out. I will never forget Ben Haburn showing up in the back of that video smiling like, he's so, he's so out of here. This is my first time around black people. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what high school did Ben Haburn go to? I just saw uh, him late, recently, too. Oh, it was Christian in Argyle. Yes, oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he might Little bitty small private school just south of uh, UNT's campus. See, might, that might have been his first exposure <laughs> yeah. to freestyle. Yeah. Rap. Yeah, I don't think that there were any uh, tracks coming out of Liberty, Argyle. No, nobody's dropping a mixtape. He and Probably Whitney Hand not. were down there working on something. 
Whitney Jones, I guess. Whitney Hand Jones. Is it Whitney Hand Jones? Of course. Yeah, I think they went. Landry uh, was at the wedding. And I would have cornered him. Figure he, I would have cornered him and asked him to see the his chest. He makes three million dollars a year and he didn't wear a suit. Luxury or was it comfort over luxury? It was. He's still rocking that skater boy style. I bet that doesn't go well. And sometimes, what is what's the slogan? You can take uh, the boy out of New Mexico, but you can't take the New Mexico out of the boy. <laughs> I think something like that. He probably still listens to Avril Lavigne. <laughs> probably so, yeah. Skater boys is jam. <laughs> Roethlisberger's like... Why do you think they want Mason Rudolph? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Roethlisberger keeps sending like subliminal messages. He keeps trying to get him to go out on the weekend so he can frame him for sexual assault. Get him out of Pittsburgh. Oh my God. That took a turn. Oh my God. Just can't get Landry to go to the bars with me anymore. Make They make Landry go and clean that awful Franco Harris statue <laughs> yeah, you see when airport. you get out of the airport. <laughs> One of the better pictures of all time that has gone out on Twitter is uh, Dean Blevins taking a selfie with I it when he left that. Pittsburgh. <laughs> During the NCAA tournament, yes, I that I mean that is the definition of laugh out loud funny. It's literally like the most embarrassing. Like I can't <laughs> believe someone hasn't vandalized that, and that that loves Pittsburgh. It just like I guess if you're from Pittsburgh, you're not always in that airport very often, so it doesn't bother you. Yeah, I guess so. But that literally is your lasting impression of Pittsburgh is the yeah. Frank O'Hara statue. It's not even a statue; it's like paper mache. It's just weird. I've never had a really good experience at the Pittsburgh airport. We're either coming in late or leaving really, really early. It's like, I'm just ready to get or out Or you're of sitting on place. the tarmac for two hours waiting for the icing. Yeah, when there's not even any ice. Or I guess it was icing. It was snowing. Do you guys want to know the only pl- place I've ever de-iced was John Wayne in Los Angeles. That's really weird. That was super weird. I was That's like, like of all the places stuff. on earth, I thought this would not be an issue. Yeah, I bet I would hate to have seen the freeways that day. The only time I've ever <laughs> been to uh, John Wayne Airport was on the heels of uh, meeting, uh, what's his name for the first time? Uh, Bryce Youngquist. Bryce Youngquist, yes. Yep. That, that's another that name. That is one of my favorite That's, a, that's, the, the, that's the number one name that is signed with Oklahoma and never showed up. I don't know if that's for bigger me, than that Dalton is, Wood, though. But we knew that like Dalton Wood had like, we kind of knew... The situation, he had a kid, maybe had a crazy-ass girlfriend slash lover, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Baby mama. Baby mama. Bryce Youngquist was like, he signed with Oklahoma, and then nobody, literally no one has ever heard from him since. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm completely down to spending a summer or a week of the summer trying to track this kid down. I talked like to his a documentary. dad. Like I talked, like Adam Gorney put me in touch with his dad. I talked to him, and he kind of explained it. But we should cold call him one day. Did I tell you guys I that I'd last heard about Dalton Wood? No. That he was working. He's back in McAllister. Got his, you know, girl girlfriend, maybe his wife. Now I don't even know. But he was working in like a like a greenhouse. Apparently, he loves like, the loves the the shrubbery. I, I, I guess. Legal or illegal? And he's saying he's on a pot farm. 
<laughs> kind of ballsy that heard, close to McAllister. From, I was. It was not insinuated that there was anything seedy about the work. So um, the Dalton, like, the botanist, I guess double entendre the there. The but. Dalton Wood is my most morbid story ever. Just that whole thing, because it was like I don't. I can't remember the day, June or July. I got a text that morning. Just randomly out of the blue, which he would do this all the time. Just wanting to catch up like on what the latest news was on Oklahoma. Uh, and the Dollwood stuff had been back and forth so many times. And so I think I woke up to this text and I look at it and he said, Hey, have you what's the latest on Dalton Wood? And uh, I texted back, like, really? Like, are we gonna keep doing this? Like, I don't I was like, I don't know. I was like, I don't care. I'm not chasing Dalton Wood News. He's never going to come here. Because a real dick about it. That was like one of the last three texts that Bob Barry Jr. ever sent. Really? Yeah. And then that day, like two hours later, it happened. It's crazy. So, yeah, that's bad. So every time you talk about Dalton Wood, just know I die a little inside. Thanks for that. Schmitty should have Wow. Well, let's let's go out on that <laughs> note. See, Bob Barry Jr. would laugh about that. So. <laughs> well, I just, just thought I'd ask. Schmitty should have taken him out when he had the chance. He had the chance? I guess he never really had, had the chance. By the way, you know the what's going around is that something happened with Schmitty at A&M and they were able to, like, pay him a lot less. I... Saw like, or heard some rumblings about that. I that <laughs> so he didn't get the double salary that like we all basically, thought. basically, yeah, like he left on the promise that he was gonna make all this money and he got there, something happened. And now he's not he's probably barely making more than what he's making at OU. But honestly, or making what Benny Wiley's making now. Well, it might yeah, he might not be making that much. Yeah. But honestly, that was the thing. Like you had to, I always had to kind of temper what I said because all the former players are like, "Oh, you don't understand how big of a deal this is." Like this is a second. You know, everybody. It's the it's the cliche. He's the second most important person in your football program. But the whole time I was like, you know what? Change isn't always bad. Well, I think the more that we get, like the further they separate themselves, and even you know we've talked about it a little bit, just in things that Lincoln Riley has kind of insinuated I guess would be the best way to put it I, I've seen some veiled shots at at Schmitty and like but how they happy got they along are. really well no they, they were not, yeah. friends they were good friends. but I think they were happy with it was a good split would that be too much to say I think I think Benny Wiley fits in more with Lincoln Riley's personality yeah which is more laid back not that that's it's different I, I'm not saying that you know Bob's way was worse in terms of building players and a program and developing people, Bob's way was proven. But that's this whole thing. That's the whole difference between what we were talking about with Andy Staples. Like, it's a different time. It's a different era. Do you need to be more laid back in yeah. order to get the guys that you want? Like, what's the payoff? Like, do you maybe not develop as many guys, but you get more studs in that don't need to be developed? Because if that's the way, I mean, if that happens with Benny Wiley, and 
I mean, let's face it, Jerry Schmidt wasn't running off a lot of people anymore. I mean, there was a time when that was a problem. But that hadn't really been a problem in the program for a while. But I do think that, you know, having Benny Wiley fits in better with Lincoln Riley's personality well, than Schmidt did. I, I, I guess you could say it's the ultimate crimson spin zone, but, I mean, look at what some of the guys have done at the Combine and stuff. I know that's kind of on them, but hasn't been necessarily just incredible yeah. as far as, you know, Neela throwing up 12, Orlando Brown throwing up 14. How do you explain Devontae Lampkin doing 31 then? Natural talent. Natural talent. It's a natural strength. I think a lot of it is. I don't, he doesn't strike me as a guy that worked real hard. No. In the weight room. In fact, I bet if I he... I mean, he was battling weight the whole time he was here. Yeah. It would be interesting to see. I guess he was kind of in the top three of most interesting things at Pro Day. I mean, it, the, the tape still sucks. Like, he doesn't have a whole lot of it. Yeah. Not enough consistency, but... What, did he have 35 tackles in a career? Something like that? Something like that. 15 starts? I'm surprised it's that many. Maybe it's 15 tackles in his career. I'll tell you. Ooh, it was uh, 28. Okay. He had 23 last year. He had five tackles for loss. Seven overall. It doesn't scream draft draft me. No, but he's big enough. Somebody will take a chance um, in the free agent side of things, and maybe it'll work out. He's another one that uh, if he does really well. I will say this. Oh, you could use him next year. They oh, They could have yeah. used him. He would have helped them. Be interesting to see what they get out of uh, Amani Bledsoe. He was kind of highlighted in the uh, Staples article. They've got article. so many guys like that now. Just as far that as three technique. Yeah. Well, they they're they have built, a lot of talent. They're actually building a stockpile of those guys. They just don't have zero technique guys, one technique guys. Just hope they don't run up the middle. Don't hate them. <laughs> Just hopefully they don't look at that Georgia game from last year. I think say they're just going to copy the game plan from Georgia. All right. Uh, I think that'll do it for us uh, this week on this edition of the Unofficial 40. Next week, uh, we'll have some audio from from practice uh, Monday and Wednesday. We'll be back uh, on the football field with the players, talking to coaches and and players. So we'll be back uh, next Thursday with another podcast, and hopefully Josh gets over his deal. Now the uh, the ear infection was. Uh, d- are you over over that now? Well, that was for the baby. Um, but yes, it. She slept better last night. We didn't have a lot to go on. Ear infections are kind of hard because they don't exactly run fever. There's no way to you know. Obviously, she can't tell us something's wrong. So it was just kind of a. We well, there were some symptoms that we thought maybe were. And that poor girl. I'm going to tell something that's going to shame her. This podcast will live in history forever for her. They couldn't really even get to look at the ear infection because she had such a buildup of earwax. Yeah, so we don't really know how that happened, but nobody seemed that concerned about it. Um, But yeah, so we still don't even know if she does or doesn't have an ear infection, but everything we thought was kind of tipping in that direction didn't happen yesterday, so I think she's going to be fine. I I think we're all going to survive it, and we actually all slept a little bit last night, so everybody's much happier. Uh, very nice. That is Indeed. very nice. Very nice for all of us. Productive yes. Josh is a good Josh.
You get a happier Josh. Yeah, everybody enjoy it. All right, so we've got uh, all kinds of stuff coming up through the rest of this week. Uh, we got Scoop coming back this week, right, Josh? Yes, yeah, Scoop will be back this week. We'll have a bunch of stuff, both previewing the Dallas camp and kind of rehashing some of the final pieces from Houston. Uh, we got some stuff coming from Bob, uh, some of the features still coming out on spring break. Uh, we got the roundtable uh, out there for you guys. Uh, it'll be out there today as the podcast posts. Uh, also, I've got some stuff I'm working on on the Grow You stuff uh, that is uh, kind of Lincoln Riley's outreach with speakers and public service stuff. Uh, so we're going to kind of take you behind the scenes on some of that stuff. So uh, then spring practice getting going next week. So it's a great time to sign up for Sooner Scoop. Uh, just go log in, sign up, uh, grab yourself a subscription, uh, try us out for a month. Uh, if you like it, sign up for a year, uh, get you access to the Crimson Quarter message boards. We have access to the entire staff 24-7 pretty much. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to Eddie Radosevich for uh, slightly behaving himself today, except for the uh, Branch Davidian jokes. Uh, Can't wait to open the Branch Davidian joke series. All right. Uh, uh, uh Josh McQuistian, thank you for joining us. I'm Kerry Murdoch, and we'll see you guys next week right back here on the Unofficial 40 Podcast. Podcasts from Soonerscoop.com.